Welcome to the podcast about two good friends sharing stories to surprise and delight each other. I'm Courtney Farrell. And I'm Mason New. And this is I Got One For You. Hey, everybody. This is Mason New. Hey, Courtney Farrell. And this is I Got One For You, which is our podcast, as many of you know. Um, it's a beautiful day, and we're in a studio. Which is so. a nice way of saying a very hot attic that has <laughs> nothing yeah. but some insulation that's, on that's it. That's true. We can't turn the fan on because then... There is was, no fan. Yeah, well, well, that's one reason why we can't. Uh, so, Court, I got one for you. I was thinking about the other day just little pieces of wisdom, quotations. I had dug out my old yearbook and was looking at it. I don't know why, my like high school yearbook, and I was just thinking about... You know, these little pieces of, of quotations or sayings or things that just come into our lives at different points. And um, I don't know. I just I had it on my brain. I thought I'd just bring it up to you today. I'm a sucker for it. I'm a sucker for words on a page. Um, the other day, I was meeting somebody to, I guess, either play tennis or have coffee or something. And uh, I noticed after I'd already had the meeting with them that, there was a text on my phone, and it said, a light almost there. A light almost there. A light almost there. Oh, that's and I, amazing. Well, I, that's what I thought. So I thought, oh, my gosh. I, that particular week, I was sort of a little bit low, and I was just thinking, wow, what a profound thing for her to write to me. A light almost there. I would, just kind of got to hang on. Things that, To me, it just meant things are going to get better. Things that's like a light in your life is almost there. I was just poignant. Very. So I, I I wrote her back and said, this is the most amazing text I have received in the last three months. Thank you so much. And she wrote me back and said, <laughs> what are you talking about? And I said, a light almost there. I've been saying it to myself all day. I've written it down. I put it on my icebox. A light almost there. And she said, Courtney, I was trying to tell you that I was running late. It's, I, was, I tried to type at light almost there. <laughs> so... I'm like, if you put words down, I'm going to see what I want to see, and it's going to fuel me or evoke some sort of emotion in me one way or another. Yeah, all these all these famous sayings that are out there, you know, it was really like totally a miscommunication, oh, you know? Like, that's not what I said. Yeah. Like, that's what you said now. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the Buddha or, you know, like some, some like famous wise person or Albert Einstein or something, they said something like, no, no, that's not what I said. And then the next thing, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it, it, out, it, there. it's out there. It's out there. You can't take it back. I, um, I think there's so many things you can miss. I, I used to love Bob Marley. Mm-hmm. And I'd listen I to his songs. Bob Marley. So good. Yeah. And I didn't necessarily have all the words right, but that didn't stop me from singing it. Oh, yeah. And my favorite one was, I don't want no wedding ring for your love. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want a wedding ring. <laughs> it, it's. It's not that. It's I don't want to wait in vain. vain yeah. <laughs> I just found that about a couple hours ago. So. so so maybe Bob Marley really said wedding ring, but everybody said, oh, wait in vain. Wait you in know? vain. Yeah. Wait in vain. <laughs> I do that all the time. I, I cannot remember songs. And I know people who can listen to a song one time and then they know all the words. I, I can't. So I, I make those mistakes all the time. All I, the time. I, I am one of those people who, if it rhymes and has an iambic pentameter, <laughs> 
all I need to hear it is a couple times. Really? Mm-hmm. If it's just, it just has to have a meter to it and and rhyme. Gosh. And if it has that, then I'm, I just, that makes sense to me. So you can you you just can listen to a song and and remember it. Yes, but I, just, I don't necessarily hear the words correctly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I can remember the, the incorrect ones. So, so back to where I, I we started with this. So. <laughs> you know, we're we're quite a few years from our high school graduations. Yes. But um I was looking at my yearbook and I just I was sort of like partly laughing, partly horrified at at the 18-year-old <laughs> version of myself. And I, and you know, we were at Episcopal. Like the yearbook is a big deal. I don't know if you remember your yearbook page being a big deal, but it was to me, to me. It was such a big deal. The pictures you chose and the quotes actually set. This was we didn't have Facebook. Yeah, so right. There was no way to right. build a brand for yourself. Your one shot was your senior yearbook quotes. Right. That said it all about you. This was your take on life. This was who you all were. All right, I gotta ask. So, what do you remember? Your quotations. Dude, I do. I remember them, and they, they're funny. I remember them because I say them still. <laughs> and the first one was, when you're crossing that big street, don't look at the stoplight. Look at the cars, because no one's ever been hit by a stoplight. <laughs> was that like Jack Handy I or something? I don't have any idea, but I thought it was... I thought it was very wise. Yeah, oh, very wise. And now that I'm a mother with small children, I yeah. still think it's pretty good yeah, advice. That's you true. know, I mean, but why did you pick it when you were 18? I think it was. I'm a rule breaker. I break mm-hmm. rules. I don't like rules. The stoplight yep. is, is a light suggestion, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> it means stop and look around. If no one's come and roll on, you know, there's no sense in just sitting there. So um, that probably had that. And my other quote was from. Good Morning Vietnam. I thought that movie was oh, that love absolutely that movie. part of it was funny. Yeah, yeah, and, right. uh, there's some serious parts, but but the, but the non so not so serious parts. And there was a whole scene Robin Williams did, and the guy he was talking to, he was asking him what the weather was, and the guy basically said, "I can't. I'm with a girl right now. I can't tell you what the weather is." And he's like, "No, please, just do a little bit." And he goes, "You got a window? Open it." <laughs> and so that was my other quote. You, you got a window? You got op- You got a window? Open it. <laughs> oh yeah, and I thought that was. About as deep as a person could be. <laughs> and of course, I'm the only person who ever read my senior quotes, just as you're probably the only person who read your senior quotes. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Although well, I will say our, our children pour over them to look and see what the seniors wrote in the, their yearbooks. So maybe that's not right. Well, but yeah, you maybe you, yeah, actually, that's probably true because you. When you first get the yearbook, there's sort of excitement about that, and you go through, and especially if you're younger, you know, you're looking at the older kids. What was yours? <laughs> you're not getting out of this without admitting what your wonderful. Oh, my wisdom. Yeah, your wisdom, your yeah. brand. Yeah, it was. It was here. Here was my brand. Okay, so mine was a Smith and Wesson beats four aces. <laughs> Because you were a big card player. And what? <laughs> Smith and Wesson beats four aces. And th- th- this is the thing, you know, I'm I'm 30 years away from being 18 almost, or whatever it is, and I, I'm like, what was I thinking that that 
it was how, what my legacy was going to be. A Smith. One, I don't play cards that often, and two, I would never shoot somebody with. This. I have no idea. It's what coming it from the guy who never was in a fight. <laughs> like, have you ever had a fist fight before? You wrote that down. Like, oh, I'm gonna have to. <laughs> I'm in the room, just so you know. <laughs> I don't even need to speak. <laughs> little text. Here he comes. <laughs> well, you've grown so much in these last 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> I apparently haven't, but that's okay. Well, I don't know. Maybe you maybe you were already more mature thinking that. I don't, I don't think, know. I don't think, and I appreciate you saying that, but I don't think that maturity could ever be leveled at me as <laughs> one of my core attributes. <laughs> well, now, wait a minute. I don't agree with that because... I was thinking about that time you did the episode. All right, so talking about quotations, I was reminded of the um, our friend Pauline Weger, who started the company uh, Quotabel, and she made these really nice books, Quotabel, Quotabel, which was about girls, right? So it was well, about it was women. It was about trying to find quotations. From women, and it, which was really difficult, Very I think. Difficult, so she, yeah. w- there was some stat, some like ninety percent of all quotes are attributed to men, five percent is attributed to anonymous, and then the rest of them are women. So yeah, for those it's, of it's, you who don't like math, that would be five percent <laughs> for women. <laughs> and I don't know if those percentages. It doesn't matter. The point is, there's an overwhelming number of quotations cited or attributed to men. 85, 90%, whatever it is. It, right. it's, a, it's, a, it's a huge number. And then, yes, you're right. And then there's the anonymous, and then there is the The ones by number. Mother Teresa and, you know, right. Michelle Obama and right. Oprah. Right, So Maya so, Angelou gets a couple. So times. Pauline was trying to solve that problem, going out and researching and then putting it in this nice book. But remember the event that you did? Oh, yeah. That's right. So we had yeah. an event. Uh, Capital One puts on every year an amazing event for girls in Richmond. They take high school girls, mm-hmm. probably about 200 odd, I think, from all different schools all throughout Richmond and the surrounding areas. And it's a leadership. It's a girls' leadership right. day. The girls get in there at 8 o'clock. Most of them are – they had to get a recommendation to be in the program. Many of them are upset that their parents – you know, made them go once they they get in there, but then they spend the whole day hit, listening to interesting speakers and having conversation. We had a really amazing experience there. So, just because of Pauline and this idea about how so many things, if you can get someone to see what they're saying is being valuable. Mm-hmm. In fact, right. Pauline told a story. I'm going to jump, so stay with me here. Yeah. Pauline told a story that was inspiring. She said she, when she was at Deloitte, I'm pretty sure it was Deloitte, Deloitte put out this company-wide announcement that said that they wanted to start creating thought leaders throughout the organization. And that anyone who wanted to be a thought leader were simply to email back and come to this meeting and that Deloitte would put all of their money and resources behind helping them right. become a thought leader. Right. And so, astoundingly, only men showed up. That women did not show up. And the, the, uh. upon some thought about it, the, the reasons were, one, is that the women were worried it would take extra time and they needed to get home, like be with their families. Mm-hmm. Two, they asked themselves, like, am I a thought leader? 
Mm. No, maybe I need to go do some work on that. And once I mm. feel as though I'm a thought leader, then I will sign up for that right. program. But the men went, yeah, sure, I'm a thought leader. And just showed mm. up. This is a confidence. It's like uh-huh. innate built-in confidence thing. So thinking about that, uh, we got a, these girls to get together in small groups of three, and they each told a story that represented a moment of truth or change in their life. Right. And the other two people were to listen to the story and pull out a quote from what they said, one quote. And they, they wrote those quotes on poster boards so that by the end of this process, there were 200 poster boarded quotes all around the room. That's what I remember. I remember that part. I didn't, I didn't know that, that, I didn't know that that's how you conceived of the idea or what you, or the design of the exercise. Yeah, and the reason why that's designed is that if I'm telling you a story about something that's important to me, I'm not thinking about giving you a quote. I'm just telling you the truth about right, something that of happened. Sure. So you have all these quotes in the room, and then we had everyone get up and go around and said, okay, listen, go around and find the one quote that really speaks to you, that moves you, that you mm-hmm. are holding on to. And they did that. And then we say, okay, you, what's your name? And my name's Jessica. Well, come on up here, Jessica. What quote did you pick? Mm-hmm. And she'd say, oh, I picked the quote that said, it's going to be okay. And I'll say, well, whose quote was that? And some nice girl will raise her hand and come up. Come on up here. What was the story you told that said it's going to be okay? And this girl will say, this, I remember these stories. This one girl said, well, I've loved soccer my whole life. I've played it. I've played it since I was five. I, I wasn't driven by my parents. I was driven by me. I just have adored it. And um, uh, about a month ago, I got my fourth concussion, and I can't play anymore. Oh. And uh, – my dad came in to talk wow. to me before I went to bed, um, and when we realized I had to quit the team and never play again, and he, he looked at me and he said, look at me in the eye. It's going to be okay. And she wow. said, I've just hung on to those words. So this girl is crying. Everyone in the audience is crying. Mm-hmm. And then I looked at the other girl and said, why did you choose her quote? Right. And she said, I woke up one month ago, and the furniture in our house was gone, and so was my dad. And I don't think I'll ever see him again. Oh. And this quote <sighs> is what I am going. This this quote is what's going to get me through. And now both of these girls wow. are hugging one another. Yeah, right. Saying thank you so much. Right. Thank you so much for this. You'll have no idea what these words will do for me. It's incredibly powerful, and it made me realize how how instrumental we all are in each other's lives of being able to say, Mason, you just said something brilliant. Mm-hmm. You don't know you said something brilliant. Right. I can right, hear it. Like right, You just said something right. so smart. Oh, my gosh, so brilliant. Like, that's – I want to write it down. So when and, – and, and think about that. So it's going to be okay. Simple, direct. It's not a message that, you know, we haven't heard in different contexts or something like that. But in that moment, that connection between those two girls – for completely different reasons, personally devastated, hurt from their own uh, situations that they're in. And yet one of them has just the right amount of words and the right message at the right time for that other girl. Mm. It was a really cool day. I remember one other thing from that day, which has nothing to do with quotes, but I'm going to share it. Um, I was telling the girls a story about how I had a day where I was, you know, you wake up and you don't, you feel low. Mm-hmm. And so I decided what I would do is I went and got 10 balloons 
and I wrote the names of 10 people who just make me happy that I know personally. They weren't, I didn't write Robin Williams on there. I wrote right. my friend's names on there. Astrid Howell, and right, Lisa right. Summers, and right. whatever. Put right. on these balloons. And I decided I was going to walk around with the balloons all day. Like that was just going to be, and people would say, <laughs> what's up with the balloons? I'd say, well, I just needed a little lift and I just, my, I knew my friends could help me out. <laughs> And it was, you know, it just made me have to think about something else. Mm-hmm. And I told this to everyone. I asked, is there anybody here who's been having a hard time? This nice girl raises her hand. She comes up. And there just happened to be this thing of balloons in the room. I guess the decoration committee at Capital One had put these balloons oh, in the room. Oh, oh, oh. So oh, I got grabbed it. Yeah. the balloons, this, this big pile of balloons, and I gave them to this girl. And I said, so, so we're just going to write your friend's names on these balloons. And she looked up at the balloons, and she said, she said, I don't, I don't have that many friends. Oh. And I said, um, well, hang on here. Is there anybody here who'd be willing to be uh, friend enough to oh, this wow. girl? Who would, and so these people all came up and wrote their names on these, this balloon. And then she's, it was so amazing. And I, I, it's just incredible how we can lift each other up. It's incredible how little it takes. And it's incredible how it just takes going past that. Um, social feeling. We have this social feeling of you'd like to do something, but you don't mm-hmm. because, you know, you see someone struggling with the door, but you're pretty far away. So do you run up and get it? I mean, it's not about even manners. It's just about this. Mm-hmm. We have these innate, like, I'll be your friend, but you just need the doorway to walk through. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know, I just, I'm amazed what it, what we can do to one another. That, that, when you told that story, that, that reminded me of something I hadn't thought about in a long time, but you know, I, I I try to use quotations. You know, there 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 are a few that sort of resonate with me, and I try to use them at the right moment if I can. Um, and I remembered coaching um, lacrosse years ago, and there was a boy on the team, and and he he really had a hard time. You know, he he was uptight. I think the the other kids on the team were always like needling him and picking on him, and you know, none of them were were exceptional lacrosse players. But you know, if you made a mistake, they were quick to you know point it out. Yeah, point it out. And and this kid was particularly sensitive about it, but he tried hard, and you know, but he would just get so wound up, and and he and then he'd want to fight or he'd want to he'd want to lash out. And I was trying, I I mean, this was becoming a real problem because, one, I didn't want him, I wanted him to succeed on his own terms, but I also didn't want him to do something that was going to hurt another kid or jeopardize the chemistry of the team or any of these things. And so it was after practice and there'd been some kind of dust up and I, I sort of pulled the kid aside and I told the assistant coach, I was like, you get the rest of the team and just end of practice, you know? And I, I don't even recall what the incident was, but everything had sort of boiled over. And I took this kid aside and this uh, quotation popped into my head that I had read many times, but i never knew the right time to use it. I'd use it for myself, but I'd never told it to someone else. And as from the, ancient philosopher Marcus Aurelius um, and he was the Stoic philosopher he was an emperor of Rome and he said to refrain from imitation is the best revenge to refrain from imitation is the best revenge and I've had to tell myself that a lot you know just I get 
you know, frustrated or angry or somebody's done something wrong to me or whatever. And this kid, and, you know, he, and I told him this. I was like, you have got to listen to me. To refrain from imitation is the best revenge. And he looked at me, and I'm like, every time you lash out, every time you make them mad, or you're doing what they want you to do. Right. And their only way that you can get control of this situation is, is to refrain. Is to refrain. Mason, what a, I, I, I have known, because I've been around you, what an incredible teacher you were and what an impact you had on the kids that were lucky enough to be around you at Episcopal High School. I know you can't say anything right now because you're a humble guy, but really and truly, imagine how many times that kid had been pulled out and dressed down and told not to behave that way, all this stuff, as opposed to someone saying, I get it. There, I understand what's happening to mm -hmm. you, and now you're going to have to figure out, it's, it's your problem, and you're going to have to figure it out, but without without just attacking him instead of giving him something. What right. an incredible gift to that Well, kid. thank you for saying that. I I hope he still remembers <laughs> he's it. Like, <laughs> he's like, Mason knew he took me out of practice. He, he dressed me down. He's, yeah. He started yelling at me about something, some <laughs> Roman guy. <laughs> no, but that, that was that was a that was a moment I think and it was it was funny how these quotations I think can come in you know that it's a it's a pretty simple idea hard to execute i'll be the first to admit um but you know these these things like i was I, I was dealing with this situation that was tense and then some something in my brain said look this is this is the thing to say that maybe like amazing. maybe like what you were doing with with those two girls like it was just like the right thing to say at the right moment well i i you make me remember People who have said things to you at the right moment or times where you have seen something at the right moment. Um, and I remember being working as the senior in high school. I got to go spend a week and a half working with the surgeon who operated on me when I was a baby. And so it was down at MCV in pediatric surgery. And one of the things we'd have to do was to walk into the, the NICU. This is the infant Mm -hmm. ICU. It was this big room. It was not small and intimate. It was this big room with all these babies in there, each one with its own story and own troubles and own sort of struggle to live. And this one crib, now this was back in 1992, I think. So there's this crib incubator set up, and above it was a sign, and the sign had been printed out. You know the, the old school... Um, the old school computer printer, it was a ball. Oh, yeah. So, like, yeah, you know, it, yep. it was a painstaking yep. thing to print yep. something. And right, we were right. just getting the programs where you could yep. you could maybe get an image if they just put the X over yeah. and over and over <laughs> again. Yes. Well, yes. They, had, they had figured this out. I, mean, I had never seen a banner done like that before. And it said, come on, Willard. Come on, Willard? Willard. That was the boy's name, Willard. He Aww. couldn't have been, he probably wasn't even supposed to be born yet. Come on, Willard. I just I burst into oh, tears. Wow. I burst into tears when I saw it, because it wasn't. It was a sign telling this young person who couldn't read to live. Like, come mm -hmm. on, come on and live, Willard. Yep. Come on and live. It was yep. just, and I always I've since then it's just a mantra in my mind. But whenever if you get health issue or whatever, like, come on, come on, come Willard. On. Come on, come on. I love that. Well, I um, 
shifting gears a little bit, but I'm I'm connecting a couple of of dots here. This might be a a, a context you may have heard this story not on the podcast, but so you know there there were there are many many people far more literary than I and and have more of a grasp of quotations and everything. But one of the funniest ones that I I saw when we were at Episcopal, we had this faculty meeting and um, I don't remember what the issue was, but, you know, everybody is in the faculty is 70 plus people. And it was something there was some dilemma. And, um, you know, some people, everybody's weighing in on this thing. And, you know, a lot of the older teachers, they've they've sort of seen all of these controversies come and go and. And um, one of them, do you remember uh, Dr. Bill Hannum? I do. Yeah. Okay. So we, yeah, amazing man. Um, rest his soul. But so, so Hannum never. He didn't talk in meetings very much. But if you remember, he had this just gorgeous voice, right? So somebody, somebody asked a question, and you know, what do you think about that? Da, 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 and they go, well. Bill, what what do you think? And Bill goes, to quote Mark Twain, better to be thought a fool and remain silent than to open one's mouth and remove all doubt. <laughs> I love it. I mean, and I, I <laughs> have you heard that quotation yes, before? I but, have, but never used... Never used so brilliantly. <laughs> never used in a business meeting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was perfectly delivered at the perfect time, you know. <laughs> it was so good. So, Mark Twain, have you ever read the letter that Mark Twain wrote any prospective burglars? No. Yeah. So, he lived in this house and his he had a you know, back in the, his day, that he he had some house help, I guess, uh, maybe a butler or mm-hmm. a cook or something. I'm not sure, but he um, he had been robbed. Someone had snuck in in the middle of the night and taken something. And unfortunately, he had a lovely woman who lived with him who came downstairs right when the right when the burglar came in, and it frightened her so that she quit her job and, and left. Uh-huh. And he, he said, it was so frustrating, so he wrote this letter to prospective burglars. He said, <laughs> listen, uh, welcome to my house. The silver service is over on the left-hand side in the living room, I mean, in the, in the dining room. But if you'd be so kind as to take your shoes off and walk quietly coming <laughs> in and out, because I don't want to disturb any of the other people who live here, because I really <laughs> depend on them. Thank you so much. <laughs> I just love that. He of course wrote it much better. You gotta look it up on the oh, internet or wherever. Defi- it is. I will definitely. I think it was in Harper's it. Magazine. I read it in there one time. Oh gosh, it's so good. So I, I um, years ago when I was living in Dallas, Texas, I got this idea in my head that I'd never found a message in a bottle, but I'd heard about it, mm. and it seemed like everyone has heard about messages in bottles, but very few people have actually found one. Mm, and right. so then I decided maybe it was like the mail. Like if you don't get mail, if you don't send it out. 
right? So I started leaving messages in bottles. I'd go on trips and leave a message in a bottle in O'Hare Airport, or I'd go, you know, wherever oh, I went. If I had great a bottle, idea. I'd put a message in it, put a cork on it, and just leave it somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so I, maybe I was giving a lot of speeches at that time in my life, and I, I talked about it in one of my talks. And this lovely woman calls me up out of the blue and said, hey, Courtney, we heard you talk about leaving messages in bottles. We thought we'd help you out. We just drop ship 2,500 bottles to your house. <laughs> you mean she told they're on the way? They're, no, they're already <laughs> signed, sealed, paid we for. We didn't ask you about this. No, no, no. Don't worry. We know, we yeah. know you're going to love this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like, the number 2,500 just trips off the tongue. Yeah, right. But when it shows up on a couple pallets. Yeah, right. Let me tell you. A little different. It takes up the garage. <laughs> And so I gave all these bottles and nice bottles. I'm thinking to myself, what? I, I could write a message in a bottle every day for the rest of my life, and we'd still have them in here. I mean, this is mm-hmm. just, this is crazy. So I took them all downtown, and there was a big festival going on in Dallas, and I stood like a, just a, a hawking. I don't know what you call it when you just stand out and scream to the crowd. But I basically got on a stump and said you know come out message and bottle whatever i mm-hmm. it was hoarse by the end of the weekend i couldn't have no voice but i got all 2500 bottles filled and it, then just asking people just, to put, say like oh well, you write love your own message. It was yeah, great. got it yeah but and then i decided well, i gotta be careful i can't just put these out i need to read them all because that's not what if someone right what if of this many things someone put something yeah. in there that's bad i don't, right. I don't right. want this to be a bad experience so I read through them. I will tell you the one quotation that seems to be what everyone in the world knows and that, I mean, they go to fully, and that is this. It's a good quote. It's a good quote. It's not my favorite anymore because I've read it so at least 700 times. Yeah, it's like having mac and cheese every you got day. It. So here it is. <laughs> it is, be the change you want to see in the world. Be the change you want to see in the world. Oh, of course. Which, again, Right now, you might hear that and say, great yeah, quote. Right. Read it 700 times, and you'll think, people, we got to learn some new quotes. <laughs> we got to learn some new stuff that we're carrying around with us. So I had to take most of them out and you know, get other people to come yeah. with some original content. You didn't put a Smith & Wesson Beats for Aces you know, in there, I, did I didn't do that yeah, one. And no. I probably would have removed it if probably I'd seen you it. You should have removed that one. <laughs> but that's okay. It's just funny what people have that that we all carry around with us. I mean, that we all sort of have these mantras that we collectively say and that's one of them just that, that seems to be the number one quote of all the quotes if there were a Casey Kasem top 100 that would I would argue be the top one now that's interesting so why why do you think that is I just think that people have heard it over and over and over it's the only thing that comes to their minds when they mm. when they get asked in the moment I, I'm not sure but it my little test group of one you know my one-time test group did people did people write um, personal notes or were they were they or were they trying to quote other things like what we've been talking about? Uh, there was a big range. Yeah. I mean, I would say half of them were worthless, so I'd take them out and stand there until I got good ones. Some of them were just beautiful right. personal letters. A lot of people just do a quote because it's safe, you know, mm-hmm. push it mm-hmm. out. But there were some great ones. There were some really. I wish I could come up with what they were right what, now. What, what do you think happened to those bottles? I put oh. I put them, I got everyone to take a bottle and put it in their four corners of North Dallas. And we put all 2,500 out in Dallas. And I got lots of, I didn't have a great tracking system for it because mm. I wasn't trying to 
right. do anything but put them out there. But I did get a lot of feedback. I mean, just I don't know how, but people would say, I saw one of your bottles and, you know, Garland and I saw one of the bottles and whatever. Oh, that's a great that idea. I've still yet to find a message in a bottle. Just saying, just putting <laughs> it out there. Well, when I was a kid, I um, I was enchanted by this, you know, so thinking that the whole message in the bottle from the, the person on the island yeah. or whatever. So I, you know, I grew up out on the James River. And so I took a, I, I took my encyclopedia out and I was looking for islands, you know, somewhat like islands around, you know, I don't even know what I was just looking for islands. And, um, cause I'm like, I'm going to write a message in a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> And From I'll one of these put, islands, I go put it in the in the in the river. So, so I, I write. I, I I I'll never forget it. I I got this like two liter Coke bottle, and I wrote you know in my sixth grade handwriting, blue ballpoint pen kind of thing. I wrote like, "Help! I'm deserted. I'm 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 lost. And I I'm shipwrecked on." And and I I look down and I'm like, ooh. Jekyll Island. That's a, that sounds that sounds really scary it and does. like shipwreck. Well, I don't. I've never been to Jekyll Island, but years later, meaning like two or three years later, I saw there's like it's like a nice island, like it's like, like, <laughs> it's a resort yeah, island. Yeah, it's like Jekyll Island, yeah, and it's not that close to Virginia. <laughs> so I take anyway. I put the I put the bottle. I put the message in the bottle and I throw it into the river. You know, somebody's gonna find it. Like we gotta. We gotta, we gotta rescue this guy from Jekyll Island. You know, <laughs> he goes down there and he's sitting around with pina coladas. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I don't need to be rescued. In fact, I don't want to be rescued. <laughs> Leave me here. We got, we got your bottle in Richmond, Virginia. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's so good. The, um, I, I put a message in a bottle in the up, went up into Alaska when I was a, about a senior, and we were on just a fishing boat fishing with my uncles they lived in alaska so i basically oh. went to visit my family oh, wow. and every summer my one of my uncles was an eye doctor and he would go around to all the little inuit villages and he would treat you know give them treatment mm -hmm. and they'd pay him with spinach or a lobster or a pot-bellied pig whatever, whatever they had whatever they had yeah and th and so we'd all come up and work on the boat oh wow keep it going anyway so on this one time my cousin i have an older cousin who's delightfully mischievous uh -huh. and he said we should we should put a message in a bottle so we did this whole thing about how we were an ocean oceanographers studying the tide and if you found this to please uh let us know and then we put my older aunt's address in new york city <laughs> oh in new york city yeah. oh, so we no. dropped the thing in the water and just to be very frank, I don't think about it again, ever. It just right. goes right into the recesses of an 18-year-old's mind, and it disappears. Years later, 13 years later, we are at the dining room table no with way. all my cousins around. And my, let's see, my aunt starts to talk about the fact that there's there's all sorts of scams out in the world. She says, as a matter of fact, I got a scam oh, one no. time. That these this family up in Alaska wrote to me and said that I should send them the two hundred and fifty dollar reward, and their two daughters were holding up this bottle, and they were saying they were going to put it toward the college fund. Oh, oh no! And both, I looked up. All of a sudden, the memories clicked in, uh -oh. and I looked up, 
and Jeff and I made eye contact. So we're like, uh, uh. Aunt Melinda, <laughs> we have something to tell you. Yes. <laughs> we have a special message for. And if for some reason you're in Alaska listening to this, and those were your two daughters, I will pay that. That is my debt to pay. I would like to retroactively pay the $250 toward the college, please, because I've carried around a lot of guilt about that. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, well. All right, so I just can't just tell you a couple more. This is just so silly, but there are so many little small quotes that you get from movies that bring delight. Of course. And one of them is from the Blues Brothers. Love it. When you one of the Blues Brothers goes into the other one's apartment and he says, he's in, I guess they're in Chicago and the L train's going by. And he goes, how often does the train go by? And his brother says, so often you won't even notice it. <laughs> <laughs> That's where we must say that every other day in our house. Just, you know, how often does a dog bark like that? Oh, so often you won't even notice it. <laughs> My, I, I, from that movie, I, the one I love, uh, is is when they when he sits down at the and Aretha Franklin is there in the in the in the diner and and John Belushi says, "I'll have four fried chickens and a diet coke." <laughs> four fried chickens and a diet coke is so good. It is so good. Um, all right, so I have a request that is sure. for anyone who's out there listening. If you have a quote or there's some something that someone else in your life has said that sort of you know, has stuck with you and you use it as a mantra, like it's going to be okay. Let us know. We would love to. That's a great idea. Um, the email address is I got one for you dot podcast at gmail.com. So I'll spell it. Cause I know that Courtney won't <laughs> can't, <laughs> I got one for you. I G O T O N E F O R ya dot podcast at gmail.com yeah because i'd love them I, I actually started a quote book when we were at, at episcopal there were some seniors who were doing a quote book sure. thing, and we just write these things down and i love them the one that stuck in my mind is this is so senior quotey so brace yourself mm -hmm. for the close here here's what it is may your worries be like an old man's teeth few and far between <laughs> so wise that's a good one to end on. I think so. Thank you, Mason. <laughs> Thank you, Courtney. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. And share with any of your friends you think might enjoy being a part of this conversation. We'd also love to hear your thoughts and stories, so visit us at www.igotoneforya.com or email us directly at igotoneforya.podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. 